Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Yogi Berra once said 90% of baseball is mental. The other half is physical. He may not have been great at math, but he was right about successful people. Successful, happy people discipline their thoughts. Today's guest trains leaders to monitor and manage their thinking, much like that Yogi Berra quote. Now, welcome to the show, Roger Hall. He is a business psychologist, speaker, and author of Staying Happy, Being Productive. Welcome to the show today, Roger. Hey, thank you for for having me today. I'm grateful to be here. Absolutely. We had such a delightful pre-conversation and I I just can't wait to jump into this topic. So there are, with your book, I want to go ahead and talk about that first. You have a Big Ten concept. What is that? Yeah, I, um, I started out as a clinician and had a, had a supervisor tell me this was in my marital therapy rotation. She said, you know, we can teach unhappy couples how not to fight anymore, but they'll never be happy. They'll just be less unhappy. And it stuck with me. And then I read the book, Anna Karenina. And the first line of that book by Leo Tolstoy is, every happy family is the same. Every unhappy family is unhappy in their own way. And it hit me that the habits of happiness and success are few and universal. And the habits of unhappiness and failure are pantheon. And so I started looking and realizing, boy, I'm helping people become less unhappy, but that's a fundamentally different skill set than being happy and productive. So I started to look at happy, successful people And they all did the same stuff. And what I found is that their lives were pretty boring. I mean, they were kind of, they were drama free. It's not that they didn't have fun and they didn't have excitement, but they were drama free. You know, they, they ate dinner together and they washed the dishes and they went for walks, you know, and, and you're thinking, boy, that's not really the lifestyles of the rich and famous but it is the lifestyles of the happy and successful. So I started to catalog these as I talked to them and I got to 10 and I said, okay, I got to cut this off. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm going to get 147 things. And so I looked at these 10 things that I saw that happy, successful people universally did. And how do you apply that towards business? Well, I take a whole life approach and I believe that if you're having trouble at work, you're going to have trouble at home. And if you're having trouble at home, you're going to have trouble at work. We're integrated human beings. And so people who tell me, well, that's, that's not how I act at home. Well, th- there's going to be spillover. And so what I've seen is that these happy, successful people are happy and successful both at home and at work. And that they apply these same principles everywhere. So when people tell me that they have like a different leadership philosophy at their workplace than they do a different parenting philosophy, then I tell them you're not integrated and 
it's bleeding over from one to the other. And so the happy, successful people I've met pretty much are the same person everywhere they are. Interesting, because my daughter and I had a conversation about parenting style, uh, and my daughter is an adult now. (laughs) And she said, you know, you pretty much gave me free reign, not in a way that you know, if it was going to endanger me, a safety issue, you, you definitely cut that one off. She said, but you gave me free reign to make enough mistakes to figure out what it is that I like and don't like. And I, I manage business largely that way. And I know when I need to step in and manage, manage, <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're a great example that, that some of the best leaders that I know really take a family approach. It's not that they're they're the people they work with are their family, but they view their role as a leader much the way they view their role as a parent. How do I train this person? How do I help them launch and be successful and independent? And great leaders do that with their with their with their people. Absolutely. So that incongruency or inauthentic style of having a work persona and a business persona, how does that impact, you know, their leadership and just the home life? Well, what I see is, is people are, well, they're inauthentic and that inauthenticity creates stress. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it goes back to that, that little aphorism that it's easier to tell the truth because you don't have to have as good a memory. (laughs) about who you've lied to. And if you have two different ways or seven different ways of approaching the world, it takes so much cognitive effort just to keep up that life is easier if you're the same person everywhere. So there's less stress. So I see I see people have less internal anxiety, less internal stress because they don't have to rethink everything depending on the environment they're in. I literally just had stress cues in my body when you said seven different ways. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, and I, I'm serious. It was a physical reaction. I'm um, sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. No, it's okay. It's okay. But I, it, you know, I say that only because I, I completely agree with what you're saying here. Um, when you have to pretend to be somebody else um, and that essentially is what it winds up being. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a strain on you. You know, my team and I have done a little bit of work on communication style, and we have you know I'm a driver. Not surprising, I'm the business owner. I have an expressive. She's my creative director. Not surprising, and I have an amiable who is a team leader, and she has to work a little bit harder on being assertive um, because she is definitely a a nurturer. She is 100% a nurturer, and that works for a leader. But there's also times she has to bring out something that's not part of her natural style. I just told her that, you know, while you do need to bring it out, you can't stay there forever because then you start feeling ick. Because that's not who she is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I love it. So uh, part of the work you do, you work with some very complex and interesting neuro and biological well, I'm gonna I I might I'm gonna mess it up. So you tell me (laughs) about this. I'm kind of a neuro nerd, uh, Denise. <laughs> uh, um, it was one of my favorite courses in college and one of my favorite courses in graduate school. And I had the good fortune to have some mentors in that area to to keep me 
interested in it. And so I keep reading on it. And so I spend a lot of time looking at what's some of the new stuff that we're finding out about the brain. Um, you know, the, since the 1990s, we've learned that the brain is, is not, in fact, you know, once you reach 25, it's nothing but shriveling from that point on. Uh-huh. Um, but we're, we're learning that even in adulthood and old age, every time you learn something, your brain is growing and changing. And so when I look at these, these, these happy, successful people, they're very, very careful about how they're treating their brain. And so, so much of who we are, we think of as our body, but the way I view it is my body is a handy carrying case to support what's in here. You know, my brain occupies between three and 5% of my body mass. So it's not very big, but it consumes 20 to 25% of the fuel in the food I eat. And so this thing is, is burning energy all the time. And so everything in my body is designed to support this. And so who we are is really a manifestation of our brain health. And so happy, successful people, they work on their nutrition and they realize that what they put in their mouth becomes the building blocks for what their brain uses. And I meet people who are more picky about the fuel they put in their car than what they put in their mouth. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> well, you've, you've met these people. Oh, I only I put premium and only this brand, but I'm going to eat this really bad thing for me. <laughs> and to me, it's not so much about the body as what are the, what are the things that we're putting in our system that are the precursors to our brain health? Because you, you've heard about all of these these neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, acetylcholine, GABA. Well, where do those come from? Well, they come from these short amino acid strings in the food we eat. And so our body has these chemical factories that are building things to to make our brain go so that we can um, be patient with our loved ones and our, our peers and that we can make good decisions. All of that's dependent on the chemistry. And so the fuel that we take in is so important for that. So what I see is that people who who are happy and successful really do take care about what they're putting in their system because they know they're fueling primarily their brain. I love that. That's and you called yourself a neuro nerd. I love that too, by the way. I've, I've, been, I've, I've always been kind of at the nerd table at lunch ever since I was a kid. So it's not going to change as an adult. <laughs> I can relate to that. So tell me, how do you, I just, I guess I just need a better understanding of how you integrate this into your business. Yeah. So, so when people, when, when, when people want to have a successful business, it's all about how am I making good decisions? And they're all content specific. So you're making specific decisions for your business, Denise. I make decisions for mine. But what we know is that people who are happy, there's there's a great deal of literature on positivity and positive mood, making people two things, more resilient and more creative. And so if we think about business, okay, 
I want to be able to bounce back from adversity and I want to solve problems more creatively. I better get harder to work. Well, kind of what we found out, and there's this model called the broaden build model of positivity, is that the the happier you are, the more successful you are because you can bounce back from adversity and you can figure stuff out at work better. And so these key things they have application everywhere, but if you want to be successful anywhere, you have to start with yourself. That makes sense. You know, it's the the same thing with the car. If you want your car to run, you need to change the oil and do some preventative maintenance, put gas in it. That's <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of important. <laughs> Absolutely. So do you work with just like leadership? Do you work with high-level CEOs? Do you come in and work with teams or none of the above? I, pretty much all of the above. My my sweet spot is, is with entrepreneurs, small business owners, and sales professionals. I like to work with people who are in a small enough organization that everybody kind of knows everybody else in the business. And because of that, there's an internal level of accountability. And so people you know, when, when I work with these more entrepreneurial companies, everybody's coming to work every day, working really hard. And, and there, there, there is an outcome to their efforts. They're not just filling out forms all day and wondering what black hole it goes into. And so there's a level of energy in those businesses that I, that I really love to work with and with the people in those businesses. Can you give me an example of maybe some problems that you've helped solve, obviously without saying the client's names, but you know, a little bit more specific example so our client so our, our listeners can understand, you know, the scope of how how you work and what you do. Yeah. And the, and so the I, impact. So so uh, you know, I work with I, I work with companies, you know, one of the biggest difficulties they have is is hiring. It is, <laughs> is, is they they hire awful people because they're looking for a warm body. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of times I spend time with, you know, I'll I'll have a conversation later today about how to slow down that hiring process and live without somebody instead of bringing in a bad hire. And we have biases about these and and, and a sense of urgency. So a lot of, uh, a lot of the people I work with have head trash about a lot of things about, about urgency, you know, that I've got to get these people in right away. So, so that, that's one thing I work on. A, a lot of it is, is energy and attention management. People talk about time management. That's not really that important. What's important is, are you, are you doing the most important things when you have the most cognitive capacity to do them? And then saving all the things that aren't important for the time when your brain is spent, when all the fuel in your brain is worn out. And I mean, we've all experienced that, right? That, 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 brain, that brain fog at the end of the day. Um, so it's helping people identify what are the most important things and reserving those most important slots of, of time and effort to do that. Um, and do you recommend that they block it on their calendar actually to do that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm a huge fan of the time blocking. And one of the things I work with on almost all of my leaders is to get them time and quiet reflection that we, we bow down and worship the idol of busyness. 
and great leaders, they're busy, but they're they're not flurry, you know, they're not they're not flustered and running around because they set aside time for quiet reflection. And that allows them to be creative and that allows them to prioritize. And so a big piece of what I do is helping great leaders slow down um, and think about their thinking. You know, one of the things you said is, is I train leaders to monitor and manage their thinking. And once they become self-possessed and, and are able to, to be aware of, of how they come across to others, then they can become better leaders. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that monitor and manage and and for me, you could just use me as an example. So say I'm really struggling with time management or energy management, <laughs> as you said, yeah. or maybe, let's use a different example. Maybe I'm struggling with sales. How would you advise me with that, that monitor and manage thought process? Well, so with, with sales, whatever, whatever the, the hiccup is, everyone I work with, there's always some some way of thinking about it. And we'd have to dissect where the hiccup is in the sales cycle. You know, or, or do you have call reluctance? You know, that you, you don't make the calls, that you have great relationships with people, but you never ask for the sale. And there's always something in their head somewhere along that cycle of head trash, something they're telling themselves that they've told themselves for so long that keeps them from doing it. So a person may be great at the relationship part, but never asks for the sale because they're afraid if they ask for the sale, the person will reject them. So they keep going back and having a relationship without ever sealing the deal because they still want to be friends. And so we, we talk about what that hesitancy is and then experiment with Okay, with with certain clients, how do you how do we get you past that particular hurdle? And this is fascinating, and I am sure every business owner can benefit from that because we do. We get kind of stuck where we feel like we're on an island and have all sorts of thoughts, and and many of them around sales, business development, fear, failure, etc. Um, so I'm assuming that you work with all of that as well. I do, I do. I, I you know I spend a a, a disproportionate amount of time looking at people's anxieties because they tell themselves they have tremendous amounts of worry. And in the entrepreneurial space, you know, these are people who have accepted a risk and they've embraced that risk, but with that risk comes some danger and it creates worry. And so one of the things I'm I spend a lot of time on is helping people manage that worry so that they can embrace risk productively. Perfect. What should I have asked you that I have not asked you yet? <laughs> that's a that's a great question. How do people change? That that that's that's the most important question I think you can ask anybody in a helping profession is how do people change? And if if the if if the the advisor you're going to hire doesn't have a good understanding of how people change then they're probably not right for you so how people change is that i believe and i think the evidence is there is that our brains are built so that our thinking our logical rational thinking 
is able to limit and control our emotions and limit and control our behavior. So emotions are really important, but it's capturing those destructive thoughts that feed those emotions. Um, And so training people to limit and control their destructive thinking is the most reliable way to help them manage unproductive emotions and unproductive behavior. And so, so anytime one of your people is looking to, to hire a, a change agent in their life, they always need to ask them, how do people change? And if they don't give an answer that makes sense to, to them, they, they shouldn't hire them. But that's the most important question I, I encourage people to ask. How people change. I love it. How can we find you after the show? I'm sure some of our listeners are going to want to find you. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'd be grateful for that. Um, my website is drrogerhall.com, drrogerhall.com. I also have, you can also order my book at stayinghappybeingproductive.com. And I have an online course called freakoutcourse.com uh, for people who are freaking out. So those are all ways people can get in touch with me and you know, be grateful to help if I can. Perfect. Roger, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate all of the wisdom that you've shared with us. Well, thank you, Denise. I'm I'm grateful to have been invited and it was a delight for me. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.